With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome to your Thursday, folks. Just gone midday. Hope you've had a good morning so far as we kick off into a, an afternoon of three hours here on Afternoons with Staffy. Myself and Rabinio in the booth. Of course, Sammy Hewitt away, working on breakfast, eating hot dogs this morning with Sammy Hewitt. How many hot dogs could you eat in two minutes, people? He did two and a half. Pathetic. No bread, just the sausage. Anyway, and that's on all our socials if you want to have a look at that. Coming up today, uh, Mike Rogers, the new Manawatu Turbos head coach, and he is the New England Free Jacks assistant coach as well. They've got their final this coming weekend. Um, one o'clock. Oh, and after we've chatted to him, I just want to i want to hear from you people about the NPC and your memories of it and whether you're as excited for it as I am. I, I think it might be a generational thing. Like I fully understand like the 20-year-olds, um, the 25-year-olds, uh, Super Rugby's their thing. I get that because that's what they grew up with. But for me, it's NPC and it always will be. So um, we've got a good demographic across all of our listeners here. What does NPC mean to you? Really keen to hear your thoughts. Uh, two, uh, one o'clock, Rico Beerman, uh, the, uh, the New Zealand team for the World BMX Champs, was named yesterday. Uh, Rico's in France <clears throat> where he's just completed, I think, the first Four, I'll get him to clarify, but I think he's won the first four World Cup rounds in BMX, which is just an incredible feat. He's only 19, competing in the under-23s, so we'll catch up with him at one o'clock. And as per on a Thursday, Tony Johnson, Sky Sport commentator, um, I'll talk to him about this, what's it called, the Nations Championship, what he makes of it, uh, a report card on the under-20s, uh, failing to get to the semis, and of course, a preview of the All Blacks and Argentina. Might even touch on the Wallabies over there in South Africa. Just news coming out recently that looks like James Slipper, the co-captain and wonderful prop, uh, is in doubt for the Wallabies. They've shuttled a young prop from the Brumbies over just as uh, potential cover, I guess. Um, Eddie Jones will be naming his team later today, either during this show, and we'll bring it to you, or in the run home, and I'm sure they'll bring it to you as well. We're expecting the All Blacks team, I think their pattern is... 48 hours before kickoff, so I'm imagining that the All Blacks team will be announced 
tomorrow morning. I'm thinking the All Blacks 15 to take on Japan will be announced some stage this afternoon. I hope so. We'll keep our eyes on that and keep you abreast of that as well. Uh, we will also have um, Rabinio's Wimbledon wrap, which commenced yesterday. We'll find out how his multi went, a six or seven leg straight set singles multi-buster. We'll find out how that went later on. We always have what's making news. More Rubinio. Uh, show me the money is today, as is the chase. And we'll have a look back in the day as well. But it is rugby first. And it's to the USA we go to catch up with the assistant coach of the New England Free Jacks, who are playing the final of Major League Rugby this weekend, which is great news for him. But more importantly for me, he is the new head coach for Manawatu in the MPC, and he joins us now from the US. Mike Rogers is his name. G'day, Mike. G'day, Steph. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Uh, good season for your team. We'll do we'll do major major league rugby first. Um, how enjoyable has that been for you? Uh, mate, it's been pretty awesome. It's my second year here, and um, pretty unique opportunity to come into something that was really new. The club had been around for basically a year before Scott and I got here. And um, we've basically been able to put together a competitive team and, and build a pretty awesome culture. So to make it to the final and year two for us is, is awesome. But I guess nobody remembers who finished the second. So we've um, got a bit of a job ahead of us on San Diego. Lining up against the 41-year-old Ma Nonu. Um, I see he got a drop goal in his last game. Mate, to be honest, he's actually been playing really well. So... Um, <laughs> He's, you know, using. He's a bit more of a distributor than what he used to be when he's playing for the All Blacks, and he's taking the line on. His kicking game has actually been really good as well. So he's certainly, um, I guess, matured with age, and mate, he'll definitely be a handful. But he's he plays the game a lot different to what he was doing, kind of six or seven years ago when he was in the All Blacks. How much of a challenge as a coaching group is it? Because I'd imagine you'll get the likes of. You know the the late thirties, even early forty. If you talk about Ma, right down to guys leaving secondary school in the US. What what's your main focus trying to get them as a collective? Oh, it's a little bit different for us. So our club is built more around. You know, we've got real strong domestic players, a lot of guys that play for the US and Canada, and then our foreigners are more like guys that are just outside Super Rugby from New Zealand or outside URC from South Africa and stuff like that. So our, our player base is a lot younger than, say, a San Diego or or whatever. So it's more around sustainability here for us as opposed to, hey, let's go and bring in all these big names, which fair play to San Diego, that's their strategy. So that's, that's absolutely fine. But, mate, it's still challenging. So you've got anything from guys who are, you know, really experienced New Zealand NPC guys that have played a bit of Super Rugby and right down to, like you say, local domestic guys who have, you know, really never uh, played a lot of high-level stuff. So I think the key, the key point of difference for us is around setting a vision early in the season, and that was for us is all around you know, scoring transition tries, and we've done a really good job of that. So there's been a whole heap of buy into how we defend and how we kick, and I guess how we attack off the back of that, which is, um, mate, it's been awesome to see like simplify things for guys who haven't had that much experience to go out there and understand actually what's what's kind of important or what's our DNA. You've been part. You've been in the coaching game for quite a while. You know, way back to 
um, Clubland in Bay of Plenty, your assistant to Clayton McMillan at Bay of Plenty, assistant at Chiefs Manawa and the Waikato Farah Palmer, and now assistant at New England Free Jacks. You're going, you're putting on the big hat now to be head coach of Manawa 2. Very important job for me, Mr. Rogers, is being the head coach of Manawa 2. Um, what are you looking forward to most? Um. There's a couple of things. So the first thing I'm most looking forward to is the fact that we've got a community that cares, and I don't say that lightly. So I don't think that exists everywhere in New Zealand anymore. And, um, you know, I've had lots of great conversations with people in Manawatu, both when I've been there and also over the phone and, and Zoom and stuff like that around people who are in the community that really want to see that team uh, be successful. And I think that's actually getting, that's getting pretty close to being unique now. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to representing those people and, connecting with them and hopefully giving them something that they can be proud of again, which has you know, probably been lacking for a little while, which you know, not, probably no one's fault, but that's just the, the stark reality. And then the second thing I'm most looking forward to is like, we've got an exceptionally good cohort of young players coming through. So we've got four guys in the New Zealand 20s, one in the Samoan 20s, two in the Fijian and the 20s. You know, that's a little bit of, a, I guess, an anomaly for a, for a a lower tier union outside of the big five to be producing that much talent and the Fami Muffy's been doing an awesome job in terms of our academy system and we've got boys coming out of fielding and Palmy boys again coming out this year that'll go to our academy next year who will be playing NPC really quickly so mate, that's exciting and that you know, they probably haven't been what's the best way of putting this they probably haven't been um, around for long enough to start thinking that it's a job and it's not exciting mm. And, you know, so I think when you, you look at other teams where you might have the majority of you guys have been in and around NPC or Super Rugby for five plus years, they start treating it as a job, which I understand, but that it loses a little bit of its luster. And so I think for the group that we have this year, they're really excited about the fact that, hey, I'm a full-time rugby player, um, hopefully get some decent enough coaching and we can go out there and represent our people, which is, I think it's, like, like I said about the, the community stuff, It's I think it's pretty unique. And... Um, uh, there's plenty of people like you that that love Manawa too rugby and want to want to see the union do well. Is part of the, it's like I, I knew about the Manawa two boys in the New Zealand team. I didn't know about the island team, so that's even better. Is this? I know Manawa two's um, invested in high performance and the academy. Um, it doesn't happen instantly. Are we starting to see it come through now? Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's a start, and it's probably not too dissimilar to Bay of Plenty when I was there. We won a national under-19 title. Now, a lot of those guys are now the kind of mainstay of the NPC team. You've got guys in Super Rugby that have come through that team, like a number of guys, and I think it's the same strategy, and I've been really fortunate to be, I guess, coming after the strategy's already started. Like, there's a lot of work still to be done, but I think what Manawatu has done is identified that if we can build a team from within and really connect with our community and retain all the local talent that comes out of our, our two main schools, um, you know, we'll be competitive in a couple of years' time. Um, it's, it's not going to happen immediately, but I think we'll see a change this year just in terms of how much desire there is. It's, I guess it's much easier to convince somebody who's actually from the region how important it is as opposed to maybe a team full of players that are, are not from not from the region. Um, 
the Manawatu Facebook page is putting out releases when a new player is signed. And it dismays me a bit. There's a South African lock coming, and I was pretty damn excited and experienced South African lock. And there's a few comments saying, why don't we just get give some of our youngsters a go? But my head says, and tell me if I'm right, some of them just aren't quite ready to take on a full-time starting position. And what these experienced guys that come in from outside the province, what they leave behind when they go is invaluable. Oh, mate, I agree and. We've been really intentional with our desire to have a local-based team and we've recruited five players from outside the region. But all of those five players are guys that have really high-level experience and they play specific positions like second row and not uh, a nine that's got an exceptionally good kicking game, uh, etc. Like they're not, we're not just recruiting from outside the region for the sake of it. And when you when you consider that in this particular year of the turbos we've got seven players that have graduated from our academy into our full-time squad we've got three guys that are on apprentice contracts that are either academy graduates or local club players like we need to have really high quality experience players around them to support them in their development and it's just totally not fair if we just put out a whole young group of players and and they struggle you know so we need to ensure that when they are given the opportunity that they're, they're ready to go that they maybe one or two guys getting an opportunity each week is a great way of looking at it as opposed to, oh, let's put 10, 20-year-olds out there and see what happens because the reality is you come up against Canterbury or Wellington or whoever and they've got you know, 15 Super Rugby players in their squad. Um, things probably won't work, work out too well. So um, no, I think that'll be, the, that'll be the course that we take over the next few years. There'll always be a need to bring guys in, but hopefully every year we it's a couple less than, than what's been this year, but I think five is... Um, that's more than reasonable. What's the hardest area to recruit? Because I said on my show yesterday, I did a quick maths, that if each NPC side carries five props, that's 70 props, just an NPC before we even start looking at Heartland. Um, where are the areas that are toughest to recruit? Um, yeah, most certainly prop. Our second row is probably the most difficult one in New Zealand at the moment in terms of the you know, we probably don't produce that many two-metre guys. And so when you do come across one, they're pretty valuable. So, you know, a lot of uh, unions are struggling in those two positions. And then I guess the game driver positions of nine or ten, there's no substitute for experience. So, mm. now we've got young Geordieville Ewan, who's going to be a fantastic rugby player. He hasn't played an NPC game yet. But we need about to support him with a couple of good players around him so that when he gets his opportunity, he can just focus on his job. And I'm sure he'll go out there and do a good job. So... Um, well, I'd say that those are the main ones, eh? Prop, lock, nine and ten. Um, we do have a lot of nines in New Zealand rugby at the moment floating around. Um, but a lot of guys that have played a couple of, you know, two or three NPC games that haven't probably cracked it. So that's a very difficult position, to be honest. Yeah, Youngville Ewan, um, Yogi's son, who also played for uh, Manawatu. I've got a mate that works at uh, NZCIS down in Upper Hutt and he watches this young fella doing his passing drills and he said he's going to be special, this young fella. What can you tell us about him? I mean, he's an exceptionally talented young man and the thing that most, I guess, most pleases me about him is his commitment to his core role of being a, a high-quality passer and a kicker. And I think, you know, having been over here and working with a South African head coach, it really has opened my eyes to the value of having a nine that has a world-class kicking game. 
And it's something that's probably underestimated a lot of New Zealand rugby because we back ourselves to play an attacking brand of rugby and you know play up tempo and, and all that stuff, which I think is important. But you know, like, like young Geordie, he's definitely got that commitment to growing his his skill set in terms of his passing and his kicking. Which I think in particular around his kicking game, if he can continue to de- develop that, it'll be a massive point of difference for him. And you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. So <laughs> his dad was not a bad footballer as well. And it'll be good. He'll be inside um, the likes of Brett Cameron. I think Jason Emery's back as well. So there's some good experience outside him. Yeah, I'm really happy with the back line that we've put together. So that in terms of the experience, guys, we've obviously got Luke Campbell, Brett Cameron, Jason Emery, our team of Whanganuku, um, Drew Wild, who's been around for quite a while now, and then mixed in with that, a really good balance of young, uh, exciting prospects. So I think in terms of the backs, mate, we're in a we're in a pretty strong position. Well, Mike, um, it's no secret to my listeners that the NPC is my favourite uh, rugby competition in the world. Um, all the very best this weekend in the final of uh, Major League Rugby with your Free Jacks team from New England. And uh, looking forward to welcoming you home and, and guide the green and whites. And um, as you say, it's a bit like Pantene. It won't happen overnight, but build a good base. I, I can see good things in the next <laughs> two or three years, eh? Mate, absolutely, and thank you very much for your support. When I um, reached out to you yesterday around having a chat, really appreciate all your positive comments on our social media, and mate, it's great to see somebody out there who's um, you know backing the, the green and whites. Appreciate you, mate. Get out and support your NPC teams, people. Appreciate you too, Mr. Rogers. Looking forward to his uh, impact that he can make. Um, a lot of interesting points there. Had a few text messages through as well about your thoughts about the NPC. Some buttes, actually, which I will get to. But the phone lines are open. The phone lines are open. 0800 150 11. Share your passion for the NPC, which is two weeks away? Two weeks away? It must be two weeks away. The first Ramfurly Shield Challenge is next week, actually, when Wellington go up to Levin and take on Hora Whanua Kapiti. 0800 150 Phone lines are open. Give us a yell. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the NPC, how much you love it. How much you love it. I know this man loves it. Steve from Auckland. G'day, Steve. Um, uh, kia ora, Steffi. 29 days and counting, brother. Yes. Um, yep, Friday, Friday the 4th of uh, August. But uh, I'll tell you what, pencil and... Pencil in the 25th of August as well, brother. We're uh, going to have a bet, mate. The winner the winner buys coffee and a muffin, bro. Manawatu <laughs> Northland, I'm mate. guessing. Manawatu Northland. Yeah, absolutely. Down at the showgrounds. Bit nervous about that. We uh, haven't got a great track record down there. And uh, I think the turbos will be much better this year. I, I kind of look at some of the... I've been watching their Facebook as, as, as well. And some of the signings are very good. But one player I'm really excited about. It's interesting, Mike spoke about not a lot of big locks around mm. in New Zealand at the moment, but boy, you've got one very, very big kid that's going to, that I, he only really came in and played the last game against Northland uh, up in Kaipau last year, but I was so impressed with Josh Tuala. Now, he's out of the Canterbury, Canterbury system, and man, he's about 2.02 metres and, and about 118 kgs, so he's a unit, and he's only about... 21-22, so I'll be really curious to see how he goes this year. Not just for Manawa too, but I suppose there's also an opening there for the Hurricanes as well, Staffy. Yep. Um, you know, knowing knowing their lack of size. Just on uh, Yogiville, Yogiville Yearn, we obviously know him Northland as well because he played two seasons for the, yes, the Tanifa when he first when he first moved, up, moved over from uh, 
Western Province, I think. Um, played a couple of seasons, so we we're very fond of him, and we had a really great run during that particular time. And uh, yeah, he was good bugger as well. Good good bugger to chat to, and um, just on his on his young fella, I I think that young fella should have got more opportunities in South Africa. I know they've they looked at Noah Hotham because. You know, he's got that Crusaders experience, but boy, it was quite noticeable to me that he was able, young Villiers was able to clear the ball much quicker mm. than what Noah did. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, what price do you actually put on somebody who's maybe playing at that super level, Steffi, you know? Yeah. It, yeah, it, I thought the Hotham it, selection was a an experience type thing, but... Yeah, interesting. Yogi Vuyun's got two sons, and they're both halfbacks, um, well, <laughs> which is yeah. uh, it's great stuff. <laughs> that, that, that probably tells you something about his genes. And just finally on the NPC, and I'd love to get other people's thoughts. I really do think I'd love to see the NPC break away from the rugby union and become its own entity. Have a have a have a board that actually runs it, so it's got community rugby's best interest. Because to my way of thinking. And even listening to Steve Henson, the interview with Steve Henson yesterday morning, when he basically came out and said, oh, you know, the NPC's days are numbered. And, man, I just, I just got drove off the road when I, when, I, when I heard that. I thought, man, here's a fellow who cut his teeth on NPC. And all of a sudden he's saying, get rid of it. Man, that's where your, that's where your untapped talent comes from, through your club system. I'd, I'd like to see it completely taken away from the New Zealand Rugby Union runs its own entity, and basically, if super franchises want particular players, well, they pay the price as well. They pay a transfer fee to go to to wherever, and and the NPC unions basically have the say on what they do and how they run their players. And that same entity basically also negotiates its own television rights. Mm. Radical, radical, but. Passionate NPC people like you and me do want to see some life injected to it. I really do. And I think it starts at community level. You're right, a community focus and um, that tribalism that we so often talk about. Steve, got more calls. Thanks for your input, buddy, as always. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Let's go to Neil in Tauranga. G'day, Neil. Yeah, hi. Uh, You've done well getting Mikey Rogers. Yes. it had a lot to do with him here in Tauranga. He's a very astute, very good forward coach. Probably a bit of the power behind McMillan's rise there through the bartender who then got rid of him. So uh, we're a bit upset here. As you know, probably also he's got a, a history of being a player agent and a, a player um, manager. So he, he'll be able to find plenty of uh, plenty of uh, potential a cattle for your Manawatu team, which is great for your guys. Yeah, yeah, I was very happy with with the appointment. When you just look, it's a guy that's done the miles. You know, he's played and then he's coached at club level. He he took uh, Bay Plenty under 19s. He won the Jock Hobbs. He's been uh, yep. he's coached Bay Plenty under Clayton. Um, he's been in yep. America. He coached in rapid rugby. He's coached women's rugby. He's he's set. He's ready. He's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. He he. Imoni uh, Nawara was the star of that under. Uh, 19 team, and uh, you see what he's done. And uh, anyway, from the NPC, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, I come from Hamilton originally, uh, and then Hawke's Bay when they had the Shield and University in Dunedin, so I've uh, now in Tauranga for 40 years. So 
Uh, plenty of NPC to follow, and hopefully this year will be another good year. Uh, interesting about that idea of uh, somehow making it more independent. Uh, obviously, something has to be done to uh, uh, make it progress to the level there it should be. Um, I see in, a, in South Africa, don't they? They, they run a, their second division at the same time as the uh, as the other teams are up north. So we've got to think there's a lot of ideas and options out there, I think. Yeah, there are. And we need the discussions. And, and discussions are happening in, in all sorts of parts of rugby now, which is good, um, that Nations Championship for one. But Neil, great to hear from you. And sorry we flogged Mike off you. <laughs> oh yeah, well, hopefully you'll do well and we'll do well as well. Let's go. Good on you, bud. See ya. There's Neil from Tauranga. Give us a yell, 0800 150 811. Oh, I know we're a month. Uh, August 4, NPC starts. Yes, next next week, Horofanua Kapiti have a chill challenge. And then Wellington have another challenge from South Canterbury. And then the NPC starts. So very excited. And it's different, as Michael Holdsworth has texted in. Um, everyone's in one division. None of this championship premiership thing. I think that's a good thing. So 14 teams, eight go into the quarters, four into the semis, two into the final. And I just clicked on the table, actually. No one's played a game. No one's played a game. But congratulations to Northland, you're top of the table. No, haven't played any. No wins, no draws, no loss, no points differential. And no points, no competition points. But they've got Northland on top, then North Harbour, then Otago, then Waikato. Manawatu 13th. I need to talk to the people at the Tribe app. We des- before a game's been played, we, de- we deserve to be higher than 13th, surely. <laughs> but uh, give us a yell on the NPC. Do you love it as much as me? Are you looking forward to it as much as me? 0800 150 uh, Let's catch up with Johnny Mac. We might be going early, but the NPC's uh, less than a month away. Well, it's probably four weeks today, actually. It's probably four weeks today. Four weeks from now, we'll be saying about um, the opening game. In fact, I think there's two games on opening day, let me just double check that for you. Uh, I should have had it up, shouldn't I? Zoom, zoom, zoom. Farah Palmer Cup starts next week for the women. Um, he's next week's. There's so much club rugby on here. Here we go. Tasman Otago at 5.30 next, uh, sorry, Friday, August the 4th and 7.30 Taranaki County's Manukau. Uh, rounding out the first round, I may as well tell you, if you didn't know, Hawke's Bay will host North Harbour, 5 o'clock Saturday, 7 o'clock Saturday, Manawatu Wellington, 7.30, that's an interesting overlap, 7.30, Northland Canterbury, uh, Sunday we've got Bay of Plenty Auckland and Southland Waikato, and then still part of round one, but it is the following Wednesday, Northland will take on Taranaki. So Northland with a three-day turnaround, Taranaki with a four-day turnaround. Let's go over to Aussie and talk to Darren. G'day, Darren. Hi, Steffi. How are you? Very well. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty pumped about that. I only I didn't realise it was on the horizon. I knew it was coming up, but uh, wasn't until you sort of mentioned it that I started uh, having a look at the fixtures. And uh, yeah, you, your guys versus my guys first match, mate. Pretty oh, long. is it? Is it? Well, I'm a proud Wellingtonian, so. Yeah, it was always, um, um, when I lived for so long, like I've lived, the city I've lived the longest in, in my life, is Wellington, and when, and I got quite close to a lot of the Wellington boys, and and I thought, I wonder what's going to happen when I'm going to change and start supporting Wellington, not Manawatu. It never happened. It never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever Wellington play, I support them. Whenever Manawatu play, I support them. When they play each other, it's still Manawatu. 
Okay, well, I was born in Wellington Hospital, mate, so I had no, I had no choice. Oh, you got so, no choice. No, embrace it. Yeah, but um, but, yeah, no, I, I watched a, quite a bit of it last year, and I mean, I've watched it over the years, but it's um, it's always a great competition to watch, and I, I just love it how we've always got it on. Mm. So if I've got a spare hour or so, I I can just go and look back and watch a replay and. I don't have to sort of sit down and avidly watch it all, but it's more matchups. You know, you see some of the good matchups, you know, coming along, um, and that's that's worth watching in, in basically any Ranfurly Shield match because um, they all just grow extra legs during that. They do, yeah. It's it's because the Ranfurly Shield is the biggest match a lot of players will play. You know, guys that will that never play super through no fault of their own, but they never get a super crack, but they get a Ranfurly Shield crack, and that's that's their biggest stage. And I love how they they fly into it. Oh yeah, and the crowd gets behind it. I remember was it the year before last when Hawks Bay had it, and there was just big crowds, and you know you just see it. Hawks Bay sort of play okay, play okay, come to a shield match, play out of their brain. <laughs> yeah. So because you can't play that way every week, I mean, but that shield definitely gets everyone up for it. Plus the opposition are going, man, we're gonna, we're gonna, we can have a crack at this. <laughs> and so I always laugh. Game, game within a game. I always laughed when captains of NPC teams when they held the shield, they said, you know, it's an NPC game. Yep, the shield's there. Ash Dixon, it's the shield. You know, NPC can take care of itself. Today's the shield. It's the most important, and I love it. Plus, I, I love the stories of, you know, they go out on a night with the shield and. Who's got it? Where is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of appears at someone's house. <laughs> yeah, I stole it one the night Wellington won it um, when Ross Filippo and Mia Tialata and Pity Whip and all those guys were all in the team. I stole it with Ross Filippo and took it back to my house and then the Mia Tialata asked me where it was so I had to put him in my car, go and pick it up from my house and take it to his house in Wainui because the tradition is the reserve prop keeps it the first night. Wow, well, him in your car, mate. I hope you had good suspension. <laughs> we did have a bit of a lean on. We did have a bit of a lean. Because <laughs> he's a big unit. <laughs> he is a monster. He is a monster, yeah. No, I'm pleased you're looking forward to it over there in Oz as well. Um, Darren? Yes. Yep, awesome, mate. Thanks very much. I, I, I knew it was coming, but you, know, you prompted me to... Book it in. Yeah. So cheers, mate. Book it in. Cheers, buddy. Uh, this Darren out of Melbourne. Give us a yelp. 0800 uh, Fins up. Paul says, go the Marco. Go the Marco. Um, this one says, hey, Steph, mate, I've always said to anyone that if the All Blacks were to play the Crusaders, I would support the Crusaders. If the Crusaders were to play Canterbury, I would support Canterbury. And if Canterbury were to play my mighty Belfast Cobras, I would support Belfast. I'm always from the grassroots up, not from the top down. Oh, man after my own heart. Yes. Staff, for me, the NPC is the premier comp with Ramfilly Shield as well. I wish the glory days would return, but sadly they won't. But as you know, I'm a massive fan of Super Rugby as well. And all rugby, Ken, that's why you're a special Kiwi. You love all rugby. Hi, Staff Darren here. Different Darren. Uh, like yourself, I do appreciate the NPC. Uh, for me, it's on par with Super Rugby. As I do not live in a Super Rugby home ground city, I go more to NPC games yearly. I wish the NPC was on the same level as the NRL, just the tribalism of the fans. I'm jealous of what they have in Aussie with that. Scrap the Super Rugby, scrap the two comps in the current NPC format. All Super Rugby's players play NPC, one comp, 28 rounds, home and away, let's go. Darren. 
I appreciate how long that took you to write, and I hope I hope I've done it justice. I love that passion. I love that passion for NPC. Give us a yellow or text us. Double eight double three is the Temper Bear Post text machine number. Great folk at Temper and Bear Post will give you the most comfortable sleep in your life. Or give us a call on 0800-150-11. Love to hear your passion for the NPC after the break. Uh, welcome back in. Got a few texts actually. I'm just going to look up. Um, who sent that one in? Staffy, I see on the Bunnings Cup website draw. It does not mention the Ramfurly Shield Games. What are the Shield Games coming up? <clears throat> Is it true that Wellington are not bringing it to Palmy North? Too scared to lose it to the Turbos? <laughs> well, I can tell you, fine folk, that uh, next Wednesday they take it to Levin to play Hirofanua Kapiti. And then the following Wednesday um, they're at home defending should they beat Horafanua Kapiti, they will have it uh, and they will take on South Canterbury. And then the Lions have two away games, Manawatu and Otago. <clears throat> and then the first Ramfurly Shield, if they've held it after those first two, will be Southland, then Tasman. Um, and if they still hold it then, it'll be Counties. If they hold it all the way, it'll be North Harbour and their last one is Hawke's Bay. Their last one is Hawke's Bay. But if you think maybe Tasman could take it, Tasman, after they play Wellington, I like doing this, then they would defend it against North Harbour and Manawatu. So we might get a crack if Tasman can beat Wellington and take it off Harbour. And then if Manawatu take it off Tasman, oh, it gets exciting. All we need to do then, Manawatu, Tasman, yeah, then we would have North Harbour and the final game against Southland. So man, our two fans, best chances to beat Tasman. Get Tasman to beat Wellington, and then we beat Tasman. Drawing a long bow, drawing a long bow. Uh, Sean says, uh, Staffy, how's the gut after the hot dog eating? I heard Joey Chestnut says it takes two weeks for him to get over it fully. I only had one of the hot dogs, Sean, uh, after the official um, Sammy took on Kempe. Kempe managed four, Sammy managed two and a half I must say I don't know what what brand they were but man they were salty they weren't as good as Marshy's uh, gourmet sausages I, I could have consumed those but I did one sausage in or one hot dog in 15 seconds so I would have backed myself would have backed myself but yeah it didn't didn't stir my guts too much because I only had one of them um, I don't follow this is from Chris I don't follow the NPC don't follow the NPC. Third tier rugby. Probably gets people on the station excited for it. But people who listen are sports nuts. So in MMA terms, we are the hard wire. It's the casuals you've got to bring in from Chris. I know it's not everyone's big one, but it is mine. Uh, staff, the crowd have voted with their feet with a comp that the rugby union has devalued by concentrating resource on higher levels of rugby. Even super rugby is simply an extended trial for the All Blacks. It will get even worse when the new test landscape is underway. Gary, they can't forget it. And remember, the custodians, the, the members of the New Zealand rugby are the 27 provincial unions. They need to flex a little bit. Uh, they need to flex a little bit. Hi, Staffy. Love your enthusiasm regarding the domestic rugby competition. 
I live in Australia, but I love watching it here on Stan Sport. I know it's not ideal for players, but there was a season where the teams were playing in a crammed five or six week period and were playing almost every fourth or fifth day. So we had games on every day of the week. So as a fan, absolutely loved watching a game on Monday to Wednesday where there are no other sports up the mighty counties. Junior. Junior. Is that Junior, is that Junior McAlpine? Is that Dave? I don't know. Junior. His nickname was Junior. Yeah, I remember they used to have storm weeks and they would play something like Friday, Wednesday, Sunday. And did they do that twice? And all it meant was, and I talked to a few of the players and they did quite enjoy it because um, for that storm period when they'd have three games in eight or nine days, they didn't have hard trainings because they needed recovery. And most rugby players love playing the game. And um, it was frustrating for the coaches because they couldn't run them hard in trainings. But it did make it, there was almost a game on every night. And, and it was it was good for the fan, maybe not good for the coaches and the players. But um, yeah, MPC, August 4, two games. Bring it on. Ranfurly Shield next week. Horofunua Kapiti. Levin folk, get out and watch. Wellington folk, jump in your jalopy. Head up transmission gully and see what you think of it. Uh, Robbie, are you an MPC fan? Do you, I know you're an Aucklander. Are you an MPC Auckland supporter? Um, not a not a hardcore one. Yeah. Um, but definitely follow it, and um, yeah, just haven't been to too many games. Um, I think a big part of that for me is just Eden Park doesn't quite have the same grassroots feel that I would like to associate with the MPC. Um, so you sort of feel like Auckland's playing on the All Blacks ground or the yeah, Blues ground. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does feel like that. Um, so yeah, I don't. But yeah, I, I love um, love. I mean, obviously, I'm much bigger into my cricket, but I love watching the Auckland Aces on the number two ground. It's got that um, feel, that community yeah, kind of yeah. feel. So um, so yeah, that that would probably get me along to um, more games. But but yeah, I'm gonna try and follow it a bit bit more than I that I normally do this year as well. Yeah, because I. I love watching Main Freight Rugby, which highlights the heartland, and you see the home grounds of North Otago and South Canterbury and the Mighty Men of Mid and West Coast Buller, Wanganui, Thames Valley, uh, East Coast, and the crowds in there, parking their cars next to it, and there's a few marquees and there's barbecues going and there's sausage sizzles, and I love that. And I'm fully understanding that I'm of that generation, that that's what, that's what provincial rugby means to me. And I don't ever want it to go. I just need a little bit more resource put in from the top. Because if the if there is no MPC, if there is no Heartland and you just go club super rugby, it'll implode. I, I, I'm worried for it. I'm worried for it. You know, the players, Cam Roygaard made his name in counties last year and now he's an all black. Would he have been spotted without an MPC? Potentially. Um, I'm so excited for it. And I'm pleased to hear some of you are too. We'll come back after a short break before we set up the rest of the show. We're coming up to one o'clock. We've got a special guest in studio joining us after one, Sam Dodd, the brain man, the neuroscientist behind the wonderful health-giving arepa uh, drinks. It's the brain drink, calm clarity, a little bit of energy. Um, And we're talking to him because it is... Uh, what is it? Sixth of the July. So hopefully a lot of you are six days into your dry July. So we're just going to talk about now. Here's the man that knows about stuff that you drink and what it does to your insides. And 
Um, we hear about meal replacements. Let's talk about booze replacements for July. Let's talk about that and the benefits of Arepa. We had them in whew, last year, I think, and um, so we'll talk about any developments and they're right into the research and development of products and health benefits. It's good health benefits to knock off the sauce for July, but we've got a replacement for you. So stick around. Brain Man after the news. Just going one o'clock, folks, and as promised before the news, Sam Dodd, he's the brain man, he's the neuroscientist behind Arepa, which is, uh, the one in front of me, is the brain drink for calm and clarity. I probably need calming down after talking about the NPC for the whole first hour. Sam, uh, welcome, welcome in, we had you in a wee while ago, I found it fascinating. Dry July is why we've got you in. Do your sales go up in dry July as people are looking for something else? Definitely, yeah, there's a big push for us in dry July. I think more and more people are getting aware of some of the downsides that alcohol can can bring to the table. So having an alternative that not only is a beverage that can replace you can drink instead of alcohol, but also one that provides benefits to the brain and ones that we sort of do a lot of clinical research on and we continue to uncover more and more positive benefits that this drink can have. So it's it's more than just a like for like, it's actually providing you benefits as well. If we look straight nutritionally, there's probably no nutrition in booze. No, none at all. <laughs> none at all. Unfortunately, empty calories, and when it gets metabolised down, it does turn into toxins, unfortunately. So, yeah. So that's why we get hangovers? Yes, yeah. It's the toxins. It gets Alcohol gets uh, broken down into acetaldehyde and then to acetate, and that's what really stresses the cells and makes you feel miserable the next day. Hmm. So at one end of the scale, we've got booze and excess. Like, there's nothing wrong with a glass of red with your dinner, is there? There's nothing wrong with a beer with your mate on a Saturday. It's once you're hitting five, six or seven. Well, I mean, the evidence does get worse and worse for us. That <laughs> There is that narrative that one or two drinks here and there is fine. It's, it, is, it does have a cumulative effect over the course of a week. If you're having one or two drinks every night, it, some of these negative effects can still manifest. So... I mean, I don't want to come in here and demonise alcohol. The majority of the population drinks it and gets some enjoyment out of it. Yeah. And there is an upside to alcohol that people like to ignore these days. But it's probably, it's a little bit more dire than we think that, you know, if you're cumulatively having one or two every single night over the period of a week and chronically that starts to have some bad downsides as well. Because mm. at, at one end of the scale, I was going to say, there's the boost. And then in the middle of the scale, there's water, which is great for hydration. At the mm. other end of the scale, there's a repa, which gives you the hydration just as a refresher, what's in it? Why is it good for us? So it has New Zealand black currants, which we analyse in a lab to make sure they meet these certain thresholds of bioactive compounds. We've got a pine bark extract and a compound called L-theanine, and it's kind of designed overall to help with mental performance and acuity and resistance to fatigue, but it also has some athletic, sporting, physical benefits as well. So it can help with blood flow, not to the, just to the brain, but also to the muscles and body as well. So it kind of reduces stress and anxiety, helps you kind of feel dialed in and sharp. But unlike caffeine, when it gives you this bout of focus, it doesn't make you jittery or anxious. It actually helps keep the heart rate down, the blood pressure down, and keeps the nervous system at sort of optimal level for mental performance and functioning. Right. Well, you've given me one of these uh, sparkling black current for calm and clarity. So let's just do a live tasty. And I'm going to be brutally honest, OK? Yeah, I know. That's the sort of bloke you are, Mark. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Right. Initially, I like that it's not too sweet. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of tart to it. It's yeah, got a little the, bit of tart to it. that's the black carrot, the fruit in there. Rather than there's no added sugars at all, it's all natural ingredients. So for a brain health product, 
the last thing we're going to do is add extra sugar in there because everyone knows the downsides that come with that. So there's a little bit of sugar that's natural to the black currants. Otherwise, there's no added sugars whatsoever, all natural product. So what's the difference between the sparkling one and the flat one that you've got? So this has more of the black currant content. Black currants, we've actually isolated a compound within them that inhibits an enzyme in the brain that breaks down things like dopamine and serotonin. So we're finding from human clinical trials that the special compound that we've isolated can actually cause positive influences to mood and focus and things like that. Uh, the Calm and Clarity, the sparkling one that you have, has more of the compound L-theanine, which is from Japanese green tea leaves, and that gives you that sort of calming, soothing sensation. Also alters some of the frequency of the um, electric waves in your brain and helps you sort of achieve what what people like to refer to as flow state. Often it gets you in a state like flow state where you feel very focused and dialed in, but also calm and relaxed at the same time. So for um, sports people, or even people that like going for long hikes, um, there's lots of uh, wilderness seekers out there in New Zealand. We've got surfers, we've got kayakers, we've got uh, recreational cyclists, and they're big pods we see out on, on. Would you recommend these before or after? I'd say before, because it takes a little bit of time for them to be absorbed, but then afterwards you gain the benefits. So... That's why we're actually supplying a lot of sports teams and sports professionals these days as well, because not only have black current supplements been seen to increase with physical performance and help with blood flow, but performing at the elite level, sport also requires the mental side of it and to sort of function well mentally and kind of reduce stress and anxiety that can come with this physical performance. So we're a product that can help that physical aspect, but also help the guys at the cutting edge of their sport really perform mentally and stay sharp upstairs as well. And of course, you're the neuroscientist for Arepa, and quite often I'll see like health products and that sort of stuff, and I just don't understand the ingredients list, and you said one about a pine tar extract. Pine bark extract, Pine bark extract, and I'm like, that's just stuff on the side of a tree. (laughs) But how serious are you, and how much work goes into getting the right balance of this and the balance of that, so that me as a unscientific consumer can trust that you've got all those balances right. How much work goes into that? Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of the beverage space, we're actually the only beverage company in the whole Southern Hemisphere using human clinical trials to prove the neurological benefits of our product. A guy, Professor Andrew Scully over in Melbourne, was the one that originally formulated it, and he is sort of a well-decorated neuroscientist in the space. And we have one published study, probably three or four more publishing this year, and then 10 more either underway or in the pipeline. And there's no one else really in the space doing that level of clinical research because it takes a long time and it does take a lot of resource and money. But we want to be certain that when, for example, I come on a show like this, I don't have to cut any corners or tell any fibs or sort of sugarcoat things. Kind of We can just lay it out bare, black and white, and be really confident in what we're talking about. So that's the upside. Do you have to compromise a little bit of efficacy of products because I've still got to want to drink it, it's still got to taste good? Uh, I think initially there was that element to it, but we work with a group at Sentient who are pretty some of the best food technologists around, and they've got really good techniques these days of taking something like pure black currant that really doesn't taste that great <laughs> and using sort of natural additives to get the flavour, dialed flavour up so it actually tastes nice because black currants by themselves, you're right, no one's going to keep coming back and drinking them, but we've found a way to still have all that efficacy in there, but make it taste good as well. You've won a lot of awards, I must say. You've won a lot of awards in the food and beverage space, in the entrepreneurial space, Mm -hmm. in the, I don't know, what does New Zealand have, not the Fast 500s, but all of those sorts of things. And you're scrutinised externally with those, aren't you? Yeah, so I mean, even the other day, Callaghan Innovation, which is a government subsidiary, 
myself and Zach Robinson, one of our co-founders, are down at the Beehive, kind of for uh, top 100 companies in the innovation space in New Zealand. So there's a lot of awards in that sort of area where it's kind of research and development and innovation. There are a lot of companies doing that, but again, not in this sort of space where it's a it's a product that you could go down to the supermarket and buy, and it's really having clinically proven effects on your overall health and well-being. What about devil's advocate? We we quite often hear, or I quite often hear, multivitamins are a waste of time because you just pee them out. You, know, you don't absorb it and all that sort of stuff. Because this comes from black currant and it's still in its authentic um, cellular structure. I'm trying to sound like a scientist here. Yeah. Um, because it because it's got that authenticity behind it. How much of it is absorbed? What's the absorption rate? Well, that's kind of that's why we do these studies. So we actually have a bioavailability study being published shortly with the outfit at uh, Plant and Food Research, which is a New Zealand company, and we actually take blood samples from human subjects to understand, okay, when they drink it, how much is absorbed, how quickly is it absorbed, when does it peak in the bloodstream, so when are they going to get the most of the benefits, how long before a sporting event or a job mm. interview do they need to consume it. So that data is something we all have from bloods from humans. So it's very sort of well-designed, properly pieced together studies that give us all that data. So again, we don't have to do any guesswork. thing I like about Arepa, you, you've stuck to your onions. You haven't bought out a raspberry run and an orange one to satisfy the consumer market. I think since we last spoke, it's still blackcurrant. It's still the sparkling and, and the still. Um, is there any other way we can um, take Arepa to, to reap the benefits? Well, uh, we are new product developments, a space that we're looking at a lot at the moment. Obviously, we're backed by really concrete science, so we're not going to jump ahead and release anything until we know that it's really having specific benefits. So one, we're kind of working on what's out there in the natural food space that we can use to give a benefit, and also what benefits are the consumer seeking? So do people want to sleep better? Do people have issues or worries about their memory or stress, anxiety, what does the consumer need and then how do we solve that problem with ideally a locally sourced and efficacious product that you know the science is going to back up and allow us to then show the, the customer that yes this is serving that benefit. Is sleep one of the big ones? Sleep is huge. I think people are getting more and more aware from all the research out there that okay if you don't sleep properly then downstream of that it just affects every single process in your entire body so mm. if you can sleep well it sets you up well for a day of anything, your physical performance, your mood, your productivity can all be impacted by poor sleep. And a lot of it is behavioural habits, but it is a space that we're looking into. How can we provide a product that maybe will help someone get to sleep faster, and th- but then also have a high quality sleep? Because stay asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Often products <clears throat> that have a sedative nature and put people to sleep mess with the whole architecture of their sleep cycles, and you wake up not feeling refreshed anyway. So we're conscious of the overarching importance of sleep and how to kind of target both of those important areas. Is it really satisfying to be doing a job with a company that genuinely helps and you witness the help that people get from it? For sure, that's what drew me in in the first place. I came from a laboratory research background in stroke rehab and that was really rewarding. But it was sort of uh, reactive science where we wait for someone to have a stroke and then you've got to kind of see how much benefit you can give them afterwards and often it wasn't a lot. This is a product that we're doing more and more science to understand how it can impact every single demographic and every single person in the country ideally and further afield. So it's nice to know this is on the shelf. We can kind of advertise these scientifically proven benefits and then people can just go down to their local store and pick one up and reap the benefits immediately. I was going to say, where do we go? Where do we get? I know, but you tell the people, where, 
the various places you can get your hands on some of this stuff? Uh, you can get it online. You can sign up to subscriptions there. You can get a bit of a discount that way. It's basically every single supermarket in the entire country. It's in a vast majority of petrol stations as well now, some convenience stores and things also, and it's kind of popping up in some boutique stores and things as well. So it's pretty widespread across the country and over in Australia and things as well. You can get it in a lot of spots also. There you go, Darren and Aussie, get yourself and your wife some of that. Uh, A-R-E-P-A, just Google that. Go and get yourself a little subscription and tell me you won't feel better. Tell me you won't feel better because you will, Uh, particularly now. Dry July, do yourself a favour. Sam Dodd, the neuroscientist from Arepa, really appreciate. I'm three quarters of the way through my can. I don't know if that's too fast to consume or not. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. We'll catch up again. Thanks, Daffy. Sounds good. There he is, Sam Dodd from Arepa. Just Google Arepa. It's in the. It's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. Great to have Sam in studio. Quick break, and on the other side, Rico Beerman just been selected for the World Champs in BMX for New Zealand, and he's won the last four World Cup races. He's up next. Something a bit different for you today, folks. The BMX team for the Worlds, I think it is, has been named and one of our best performing in recent times, Rico Beerman, joins me from France of all places. G'day, Rico. How are you? Good, mate. Whereabouts in France are you? Um, I'm currently in the little town of Sariens, which is uh, near Avignon, so south of France. Wow. Wow. Okay. So BMX. BMX. Yep. I, a little birdie tells me you threw your leg over a BMX bike without trainer wheels at three years old, and then you won the national champs at four years old. That's ridiculous. Man, I think I think uh, you remember more than me. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been racing nearly your whole life, nearly your whole life. What's special about BMX to you? I know. I I just love the the adrenaline uh, when I was younger, just being able to go out there and jump the jumps and learn how to do different skills that really, I guess, hooked me and I've never looked back and now being older, being able to travel around the world and compete and see pretty cool places and do pretty cool things. So it's a, it's a pretty cool sport. Other sports, did you play other sports growing up? Like, I guess in the school ground, you can't just hoon around on your BMX bike. Um, you do other stuff. Yeah, I played um, soccer until I was around 13, 14, I think it was, and then decided I had to focus on one and chose BMX, and I guess it's uh, the right decision. We've produced some really good um, BMX exponents in the country over quite a period of time. I think pretty much, though, the trailblazer was Sarah Walker. Do you remember watching her as a youngster? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've hung out with Sarah quite a bit from a young age, which is pretty cool. I think when I was young, I won my first world title as a amateur. I think I was six, and she's won the, and maybe wrong, but the junior elite worlds. And yeah, so I guess from a young age, I've I've been around Sarah, and she's uh, played a big part in my in my career. Now you're 19, is that right? Yeah, and you're traveling the world. This is living the dream. Yeah, living the dream for sure. <laughs> What's your drivers, Rico? What 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 is what drives you? Is it is it the travel? Is it success? Is it growing as a person? Where's your competitive edge come from? To be honest, traveling like constantly on the plane and everything gets a bit overwhelming and it's kind of annoying, I guess. But uh, just I want to get to the Olympics and reach the highest point, and I guess 
sporting you like the the highest point in sport and try to get an Olympic medal. That's the goal. That's a good goal. That's a good goal. Now you've just recently competed in an event. And I watched a replay, I think it was of your last race, and you went across the line with four fingers. Four, and I thought, <laughs> is that a little sign to his homies back home, or what? what's that? But I understand you won four races. Yeah, so we've had four um, World Cups this year, and I've managed to go four back-to-back and win them all. And I guess when I won the second one, I did two, like I pulled two to the camera and then won three and then put three to the camera and then... I was like, right, I won four, now i got to pull the four. So I guess it's just, it just started and it's uh, still going, which is good. So if you win two more, you're going to have to take both hands off the bike. <laughs> I'm going to have to learn how to do a no hand and pull the brake. <laughs> so what were those events? It's, can you tell us what the season looks like in BMX? Yeah, so the start of the year, I was based in America training with my team Speedco and doing the USA Pro Series over there and the first World Cup um, was in Turkey about a month ago and we did the round one and two in Turkey and then flew straight to the Netherlands for round three and four um, of the World Cup Series and now I'm in France training and we've got the World Champs next month in August, uh, next month in Scotland, um, I think it's the 13th of August. Um, which is which is going to be a cool event with all the cycling disciplines going to Scotland at the same time. Um, and then I'll go home for a couple of weeks and then back to France for the next World Cup and then to Argentina for the next World Cup and then back to America to finish off the USA Pro Series and then that's it for the year. So it's busy, but it's, it's good. Wow. So I'm intrigued. The USA Pro Series... Uh, I, I'm picturing it's like a stadium event. There's people everywhere. There's Yahoo. There's loud music. Is that what the American Pro Series looks like? Most of the tracks outdoors, um, but yeah, there's there's I think over a thousand riders every weekend with uh, little kids yeah. and older people, and the pro the pro racing gathers a good crowd. And there's a there's a lot more I guess money and sponsoring involved in those races, so. It's, it's a pretty cool scene to be involved in. So being 19, you're racing in the under-23s. Is it? Do you take this step up once you're 23 or 24, or do you go up when you feel like you're ready or when your team says you can go? So in America, I race um, elite men, so that's open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's good doing that, getting some experience and racing with the top dogs and then coming to the World Cup to under 23 is an option. Um, and, yeah, I guess you can stay under 23 until you're 23. But um, I guess, like, last year, the world champion under 23 was 23, and he moved up because he had to. But I plan to race world next month as an under 23 and then move up to the elite category after that. How do you plan out a race meeting? Because you have a lot of races, um, and, you know, the – the gate goes down and it just seems like it's hell for leather. Is there any tactics or is it just balls to the wall and go as fast as you can? Well, I guess you have your routines before the before the race and you get on the gate and you know what you've got to do. And um, At a World Cup, for example, the your race is timed and the fastest lap time gets the first selection for the next race. Um, and ideally being inside is 
an advantage um, unless you prefer the outside, but I prefer the inside. So going for the lap time each time, each race is uh, important so I can get the first lane choice and go inside as possible. And leading to that first corner over the first few jumps, into that first corner leading is so crucial, isn't it? Yeah, being out front is uh, always an advantage. It's a clear track and no one in your way to slow you down. Um, but you've got you've got races that are really good from the back and middle of the pack that can make moves and make it work. But yeah, being out front is always always the best place to be. Tricky question, given you've won the last four World Cups, but being a, a professional athlete, what's your weakness? Weakness. Man, I guess just holding it, I want to say holding it together under pressure, but the last four races has actually gone really well. Um, but just believing in myself and do, doing what I know I can do best and making it happen when it counts. You know, I guess winning helps that, doesn't it? And the other thing, watching some of your races, now I don't know what you call the bump. In, in motocross or supercross, they call it the whoops. I don't know if you call it the whoops, all those bumps. You fly through yeah, those. Them- you just push your bike back down on the ground and the others get a bit more air and I saw a guy coming up on you in one of those four races but through the whoops you just you just put the foot down it's it's probably a lot more technical than laymen like me understand yeah so I guess it's pretty similar we call it the rhythm section um so we call it the rhythm section in BMX the whoops um but yeah you can you can choose different lines and the line I chose down that third straight, um, I think it was the race you're talking about in Poland, was the, the faster line, manually through it, and the French guy was jumping through it, which I managed to pull away a bit. So I had a I had a good line down there. What's the What's the community of riders like? Like you, you know, you roll your sleeves up and you want to beat them and bash them, but I, I'm guessing it it could potentially get a bit lonely on tour. You're away from friends and families and girlfriends and all that sort of thing. And do you lean on your fellow competitors for camaraderie away from the track? Yeah, I guess there's, there's people that that don't like to hang out with their competitors. And then there's people like, I guess, myself who I enjoy. I enjoy having company and being mates with everyone outside racing. And even on race days, I'm pretty friendly to everyone until it gets it gets time to race and you're on the gate and then it's, you're in your zone. Um, and I got my girlfriend over here traveling with me, so it's, it's cool. Fantastic, fantastic. So, map out, um, map out a week. Like, do do you have a coach with you? Do you have a remote coach? And and what what does your trainings look like between race events? Yeah, so um, Kurt Pickard's my coach. He's uh, lives in Tauranga and he went to the Olympics and been with him for a couple of years now. And being here in Sarians, it's me and then there's a French rider that he coaches and. Also, the world champ and elite many coaches now, and he's here as well. So, this week we're all training together, and it's three three sessions on the track and two times in the gym, um, with a couple of sprint sessions in between. And at the moment, it's a bit of a, I guess, a strength top up before Worlds, and then we'll start to taper off and get things going before the Worlds. So, I'd imagine being such. It's a bit like the fifty meter freestyle. It's just like flat out do you work on on like fast twitch reactions explosiveness all that sort of thing yeah i guess all of the above them um, trying to be explosive and strong is the important things and getting down to the bottom of the hill and yeah just being as fast as possible brilliant
Oh, well, Rico, it's fantastic to share your story briefly, as it was, across New Zealand. How can yeah. people follow you and, and your your journey on the, the goal? The goal is the Olympics, and I'm bloody sure you're going to get there. Um, but we, we want to watch you hang out five fingers, but I really want to watch you hang out six fingers. How can we follow what you're doing? I guess just uh, Instagram, Facebook, it's just Rico Beerman, um, my name, and that's it. R-I-C-O, beer, like the grizzly beer, man, like you and me. Rico, uh, fantastic that you've uh, chatted to us out of France. We're going to be following you, and we wish you all the very best, champ. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Welcome back in, folks. Just going one thirty. Thanks for the news. Johnny Mac, uh, we're going to do TAB time now. I think this is the first time I've talked to him on the TAB stuff. It is Blake Stothart. G'day, Blake. G'day, Steffi. How are you, mate? Very, very well. Big old cricket match tonight, champion. Uh, the Ashes, once again, as much happens off the field as, as on the field at the moment. And I feel like the prices have come closer together. Aussie, just the slightest of favourites now. Yeah, Aussie open up around that 230 mark to the 226. England at that 248 mark. A couple of power plays around, though. Steffi, Ben Stokes, player of the match, got that out at $13 mark on the back Ooh. of his heroics last week. Couldn't quite get them home after that controversy, but they'll be looking to make amends 2-0 down in the Ashes, so they'll be hoping to, to get it to 2-1 to get that series alive. The power plays are prevalent. They are all over the place. I absolutely love them. Um, right down, $36 for the one paying the most. Steve Smith, Dave Warner to both get 100 runs in each each in the first innings at $36. Right down to the $1.62 saying Green and Kerry to each score 10 plus runs in the first innings. How popular are the power plays in a game like cricket? Yeah, very popular, Staffy. They give you a watch either the first innings or second innings. You can follow your favourite individuals. Pat Cummins likes to pick up a few wickets, got him a few power plays of Hazelwood, where the England bowlers, they'll be unsettled. I think they've got a few team changes. So plenty of popular power plays, especially around those Aussie bowlers to take those wickets up the top of the day. I'm going to ask you about the All Blacks and the Wallabies, but before we do that, into the NRL, a massive, massively important game for the New Zealand Warriors, taking on Parramatta Eels, who have pretty much lost their best three players to origin. We're potentially going to lose one of our best, Sean Johnson. I think there's going to be a kick-off decision for him. But this is a flip-flop market, we call it, in the trade. Yeah, as soon as that Origin team was released, after the Origin, the market really flipped around. 160 favourite, the Warriors now. Of course, they come off the back of that loss to the Rabbitohs last week. A couple of the worst games have been against the Rabbitohs and the Roosters, so they're hopefully at combat in the condition that Sydney would be nice. And Given a few milestones, Sean Johnson may not be playing, but Dylan Walker's 200th game, Adam Fleming-Blake's 150th game. They've got a bit to play for, and I think the Warriors, they can get the job done with that spine still intact. And quickly on the Springboks in Australia, the big news story out of South Africa is a heap of them are coming to New Zealand, not even not even going to be there for the Australian game. They want to get settled into, into New Zealand. Has that made any moves in the South Africa Wallabies market? So Africa is still firm favourites in that market, dollar thirty-five. Aussie still looking to the Eddie Jones era kicking off that three twenty outsiders. So I'll take a we want to get that combination. So South Africa is still a firm favourite. Obviously looking to defend that World Cup later in this year. Well, they're one thirty-five and rock solid team of margin one to twelve two sixty. That's coming a bit. So expect a closer game. South Africa one to twelve mainly, and that leads us onto that big game in Mendoza, Argentina. All backs really looking forward to that as well, Steffi. Yeah. So what what's the favoured winning team in margin there? Yeah, looking forward to that. It's 
all back to that one seventeen currently at the moment. Then you you look at that winning teams and team of margin plays in the exact half full time double. It's quite popular. All Blacks half full at that one forty mark. It's obviously get that crucial to get that good start in that game away away from home, kicking off the new season. And one to twelve two eighty being quite popular as well. It took Argentina a long time to beat the All Blacks until they did a couple of years ago. They'll be looking to beat them again. They're one to twelve six dollars as well. Brilliant, Blake. Thanks for your help today, buddy. You enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Daffy. Pleasure to be part of it. Cheers, buddy. There's Blake Stothart. He's out of the TAB. And remember, you can watch him bet on all of your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. You must do it responsibly. Of course, you must do it responsibly. Um, just quickly, some text messages just to catch up. I like to read them all because you take the time to send them. I'll take the time to read them. Staffy Auckland hasn't had a Shield Challenge since 2015. Quite staggering, really. Seven years and again, not this season. It is the luck of the draw. I remember for a few years there, Manawatu got one every year for about six years in a row and then they went a long patch without them. I strongly believe the NPC is the base of our rugby pyramid. Weaken the base and our pyramid (laughs) is on... Um, shaky ground, shall we say, Simon, from the North Shore. Can't use your language, but I hear you. Staffy, I remember Eddie Butler, the former Welsh international, in 1988, talking about New Zealand rugby and how the pyramid of school, club, provincial, and then the All Blacks was the right recipe. Obviously, with Super Rugby now, the emphasis has shifted to primarily the professional side rather than continuing to build on what has traditionally been our strength. I've never forgotten that 30 years on. Good text, boys. Staffy. Oh, this is on the back of our Arepa chat. Staffy, I first came across Arepa drinks when my daughter attended a Kawi Girls motocross motocross camp a few months ago it's good stuff my son uses it all the time my daughter's not keen on the taste though you should get Michaela Rowe on who runs these camps strictly for women because it's a great initiative the number of women competing in motocross has grown hugely over the last five years and this needs to be celebrated and promoted like mainstream sports Pete I'm going to get Rubinio to take that name down and I'd love to get her on because Courtney Duncan, she's she's the boss, isn't she? Boss of the world. So Rubinia will take that note down and let's get her on. I love it. Um, any news on Sean Johnson and the baby yet? No news yet. And there's another one. Uh, any news on Sean Johnson and the baby yet? No news yet. Um, and the All Black 15 has been named to take on Japan. We'll take a break and I'll bring you that and other stuff. After this, Rightio, the All Blacks 15 team to take on the Japanese 15. This isn't the test side, that's next week. Front row, Xavier Numea, Ricky Ricky Tally, and Jermaine Ainsley out of the Highlanders. Uh, Locks, Naitua Akoi, and Quinton Strange. Loose four trio, Christian Leo Willy at eight. Duplessis Karifi at seven. Akira Yawani at six. Backline, listen to this. Brad Weber, Stephen Perifeta, Jack Goodhue, Alex Nankerville, Atene Nanai Satoro, Balin Sullivan on the wing, and Ruben Love makes a return. He's at fullback and off the bench. Tyrone Thompson, Ollie Norris, Pori Arakati Stones, they're the front row replacements. Cameron Suafua, oh, can't wait to see him go in a black jersey. Billy Harmon, co-captain, is on the bench for impact. And the back reserves are Falau Fakatava, Brett Cameron, 
and Manawatu and Sam Gilbert from the Highlanders and Otago. That is your New Zealand 15 to take on the Japanese 15 on Saturday. On Saturday, and I'm sure the run home will dive into that. I'll give you that team a little bit later on as well because right now we need to find out what else is making news. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Grazing in the grass. Robinho, what have you got? What have I got? Middle of the week. So much happening in the news. And uh, we start with um, something we were talking about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Talking about a uh, certain world record you thought you might be able to beat. Party poppers. Uh, 44 party poppers popped in 30 seconds. Still in the works. Watch this space. Um, but here's one that I think you'll be slightly less confident in being able to beat. Right. Um, but we'll see. I'll tell you about it. Then you can, uh, you can decide. A man in Nepal has broken his fourth Guinness World Record by walking down 75 stairs on his hands in 25 seconds. Oh my gosh, there's no way I could do that. (laughs) Yeah, no chance. That's like three a second. Wow. No, I couldn't do that. No chance. No, none. could, Could you do any stairs on your hands? I can't even do walking handstands. Yeah, let yeah, alone okay. involve some stairs <laughs> just, in the pool. Just had, just had to check, uh, you know, what what level you're at. Mm. Um, but yeah, another 29 year old um, walked down the stairs at a Buddhist temple, beat the previous record of uh, 30.8 seconds from 2014. Same Buddhist temple, I'd imagine too. Who knows? I love it. Yeah, so um, the man said he'd been walking on his hands since he was eight years old. The skill uh, previously earned him the world records for the fastest time to descend 50 stairs on the hands, the fastest 50 metres walking on hands with a soccer ball between the legs, and the fastest 10 metres walking on hands with a soccer ball between the legs. Oh, he could get world records for an apple between his legs, a volleyball, a basketball, a rugby ball. It's just, don't be silly. (laughs) Give me party poppers. Yeah, all right. Watch the space. Uh, second story. I do seem to come across Wisconsin stories reasonably often. I, I being from there, got to jump at them. It's because um, Google spying on you. Yeah, I think so. I think that's it. Um, however, this one's a uh, fairly negative one. Unfortunately, I've I've got to include it. I can't seem too biased. Um, but yeah, a ride malfunction at a Wisconsin festival left eight passengers stranded upside down for more than four hours. Oh no. Yeah, could you, oh. that should be a world record. I could not do that. No, yeah, that. Oh, I can't even think about how bad that would be. Um, but yeah, video was captured at the Forest County Festival where the uh, Fireball Ride, which features a looping track, malfunctioned and left a passenger stuck upside down, high in the air at the top of that. So, uh, firefighters from nearby towns uh, responded to help get the passengers down. All of the passengers were safely brought down and were exam- examined by ambulance crews. They said a mechanical failure was to blame for the stalled ride and it had recently been inspected by the state of Wisconsin. So I'm looking at it now. Why four hours? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is a good question. I... So they've got firemen in on those big extended ladders yeah. and they're slowly dropping them out of the capsules that they're stuck in. Horrific. It looks yeah. horrific. No, thanks. No. Mm. Um, and this article title is pretty straightforward. Simply, man suspected email about a $100,000 lottery prize was a scam. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I read that, and I'm like, yeah, cool, nice. Uh, man from Michigan won the prize, said he always made sure to scan his non-winning $6 million jackpot tickets using the Michigan Lottery app so he could be entered in the second chance drawing. So he got an email, and both of him and his wife had his suspicions, but... They confirmed it and it was indeed real and the man says he plans to use the winnings to pay bills and share part of the prize with his family. So happy ending in the end, but uh, also still a reminder to be very wary of scams. They're getting they're getting smarter, they more, are. more believable. I heard Beaver saying on the show yesterday he's been scammed by people charging him for road tolls. Oh, no. Like a number of times to get a text message, go in here, pay you $4.50. So he's done it a number of times and then realised they haven't been on roads that have tolls. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had one for um, for NZ Post. They got me a while ago. Oh, it's click here to get yeah, your parcel yeah. delivered. I get those. Yeah. But I'm like, nah. Yeah. Well, the th- the thing was that I I had a parcel being delivered that oh. had, like, you know, the text claimed to be. So that's why it was like, oh, yeah, I'm waiting for that. Uh, yeah, don't get me started. Anyway, I promised you a sort of gross fact yesterday. Yeah. Um, and... What a way to finish. Um, you produce about 40,000 litres of spit in your lifetime, apparently. Uh, oh or to put it another way, enough spit to fill around 500 bathtubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've told you before, Robbie, I think in pictures, and that's not a pleasant one. No. No, not really. Um, but, yeah, that's, that, that, that's your fact for today. And that's what's um, making news. It is. I just uh, we used to do a thing on on what's making news. We'd always finished with you Google Florida man and click news. Uh, so Florida man Lewis Spivey confesses to a 2002 cold case mur- murder the day after he got out of prison for a separate crime. It got sent straight back in. Oh dear, what an idiot! I'll remind you of the All Blacks 15 after a quick break before we take the news. I see why am I? In case you missed it. <laughs> Uh, the All Blacks 15, front row, Xavier Numia, Ricky Riccatelli, Jermaine Ainsley, second row, Naito Akoi and Quinton Strange, loose four trio of Christian Leo Willey, Duplessis Karifi, Akira Iwani. Uh, Brad Webber is co-captain uh, alongside Billy Harmon. Billy Harmon on the bench, Brad Webber at nine. Then we go Stephen Perifeta, Jack Goodhue, Alex Nankerville, Atene Nanai Satoro, uh, Started off really, I mean, he's worn the black jersey before for the sevens. He's making a good fist of 15s. Balen Sullivan of Waikato and the Hurricanes, he's on the right wing. And Ruben Love, uh, 15, a horror year for him for his injury. Tore an adductor or tore something off the bone. Um, he's at 15. The bench, Tyron Thompson, Ollie Norris, Puri Rakati Stones, Cameron Suafua, Billy Harmon, Falau Fakatava, Brett Cameron, Sam Gilbert. That is your team that will play 8 o'clock Saturday night. Tune in and watch the All Blacks 15 and then Sunday mornings the All Blacks, of course. That's probably named tomorrow morning. We'll talk some more rugby after the news with Sky Sports' Tony Johnson. Yes, rugby boots and all. Let's go rugby boots and all. Uh, the magnificent Kayleigh Bell and the equally magnificent Tony Johnson from Sky Sport Rugby joins us now. TJ, welcome in. Thanks, Steph. Nations Championship. Two pools of six, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. Gosh, we could talk about this for hours. What's your initial reactions? Oh, there's good and bad about it. Uh, good in that it provides, it's a new competition. I presume that 
this is in part due to the increasing influence of the private equity companies and the stake that they've got in rugby and that they need uh, new products, I think, to generate for, for them. I'm sure that's part of it. But it's something I think people have wanted for a while. Uh, it's sort of a you know an official world championship type of league. I, you know, there's, there's a lot of upside to it. Uh, the downside to it for me is that it, it, it's an exclusive group and teams are going to get shut out. And obviously, this part of the world, we look at the likes of uh, Samoa and, and Tonga. Um, but in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, Georgia, who, by the way, have done really, really well um, in, in the under-20s. You know, they're growing force in the game. It sort of slams the door shut on them. So I think they've got to work out a way so that these teams have got a chance to at least qualify it for it in the future. So as I say, I think uh, good and bad, I think it'll inject um, some new internet in, um, meaning and some new interest in the international um, calendar that, that, that's probably needed uh, as long as they get the dates right so that, that you know they fit in with all the countries with their needs and their seasons and what have you. Um, plenty to look forward to. As I say, I've just got that concern that once again, uh, you know, the, the elite uh, get something to play with and the so-called developing nations or the smaller nations are shut out. That's not good. Have they, have they not floated the idea of a second-tier competition running at the same time from 2026 and they're looking at promotion relegation from you know the top second-tier comp plays well, the they, bottom? Well, they have. They have, yes. But, but it, it doesn't. the talks towards that don't seem anywhere near as advanced. Right. Uh, I, you know, it, I hope it's the case, but it, it still leaves them out of the elite tier if you like um so yeah if, if it's a genuine pr- uh, promotion relegation but you'll remember that the last time they tried to get something like this past go mm. certain nations in the northern hemisphere blocked it because of promotion relegation so unless the likes of scotland have had a complete turnaround in thinking uh, I, I just you know I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. We'll just see what transpires. Yes, true, true. Uh, Under-20s over there in South Africa. Disappointing New Zealand didn't make the semis. Um, But, geez, France looked damn good. Yeah, they looked sensational. And right from the word go, I thought this is the team that's probably going to win this competition. Uh, It just shows you how strong the French game has become. They are the strongest force in world rugby. They've got the best league. I don't think there's any question about that at the moment. Um, you know, it's financially solid. It's being played on uh, three tiers. It's well organised. Uh, they've done some very clever scouting. You know, they've gone to the South Pacific. They've seen all this raw potential uh, in French Polynesia. Uh, that's had an impact on their team. Um, but, but yeah, the whole French setup at the moment looks very imposing. Uh, and, and look, it's reflected in this under-20 side. And they, they were, were, were too good for New Zealand. In the end, look... Um, There'll be disappointment that New Zealand, again, is not going to win this. And I think, was it, go back to 2017, was it the last time yep. New Zealand won it? I didn't think they were a chance. Uh, after watching them play against Australia, they split the series with Australia. Quite a, a, a narrow and not particularly convincing win in the second game. And they got pushed all over the park, um, particularly at the scrum time by the Aussies. Uh, so, you know, they get there. I think the, the big problem was that they were still... Trying to sort of, you know, hit their straps when they played Wales first up in awful conditions, scraped out a win there, and that's what's probably cost them in the end. I think if they played Wales again, they'd beat them comfortably. 
and, and, and maybe their points for and against might might be a better story. They were no match for France and too good for Fiji. Uh, so, sorry for uh, Japan. But in the end, I, th- I think it sucks a bit, really, Staffy, that they miss out to an England team that only won one game. Yeah, I do too. So they had two draws, and and because they beat up on Fiji, had a, a better points for and against, and the draws didn't affect their you know for and against adversely. Uh, they get to go through, and even South Africa that qualifies from uh, the, the third pool, yeah, they, they got through on nine points. They didn't get any bonus points. So New Zealand, uh, 10 points wasn't enough to get through. And I just, as I say, I, I'm sure they're very happy uh, as world rugby that England's going through. Uh, <laughs> but, but to me, it, it's, it, it's a, you know, I, I suppose if we'd got through in a system like that, we'd be thinking, oh, well, that, that's, that's the way it is. You know, that's the format. But to me, that three-pull system, it, it, it's a bit manky, really. I, I, I wish they could find a way to get a proper four-pull system so that you didn't have to rely on countbacks and points for and against uh, to decide who your your fourth qualifier is. Mm. Um, I don't... Uh, 30, 40 minutes oh, actually, go... Mate, just, just before, sorry, just before yep. I finish on that, I've got to say, though, uh, having written them off before the tournament... Uh, You've you got to give uh, kudos to, to um, Clark Laidlaw and his team because they have improved their set piece immeasurably. Uh, it, it you know got better and better as, as it went on, uh, and the team improved as it went on, which, which says to me two things, that, that, that coaches at that level are still having to do far too much basic technical and skill work with players that are coming out of our school system missing vital tools to make them good rugby players. And, and so, again, that's, that's another failing, another shortcoming of, of, of what's going on in the schools. Great point. You know, props that can't scrummage have to be taught how to scrum. First fives who can't, can only kick off one foot, that sort of thing. Mm. Yep, yep. Um, 30, 40 minutes ago, the All Blacks 15 team to take on the Japanese 15. I don't know whether you've had a chance to catch up with that team that's named but boy there's some good players in there TJ. The question is do you think anyone from the New Zealand 15 can force their way into a World Cup squad? Uh, Well given that there's 36 players uh, in in the the All Black squad already you, you know, you'd need some injuries probably. They'll, they'll have to jettison three players from that All Black squad for the World Cup. And, you know, there, there's still a chance if, if a couple of players were to go down. And, and so they've got plenty to play for. And they're wearing the black jersey and they're representing the, their country in an international. It's an interesting mix, this one, isn't it? Because you've got players like uh, Brad Weber, who's desperately unlucky not to be in the All Blacks. Uh, you've got guys who probably, you know, Alex Nankerwell, for example, uh, Jack Good, do they heading off overseas? It's almost like, hey, thanks. Um, <laughs> you guys have done a great job. Um, but also, and, and you know, Akira Ioane's a player. You know, it, it, he's got an opportunity here uh, to, to, to make a point. Um, but there's also some, some young talent coming through there that you know are going to be all blacks in the future. So, yeah, it's it, it's a worthy thing that they're doing. A, a, a Japan 15, which you'd imagine, uh, if you know, the depth chart is anything to go by, they should be too good for. And then a match against the full Japan side, which next weekend, which uh, I'm actually calling that game. I'm looking forward to that. Mm, same. Um, South Africa are sending players straight to New Zealand, bypassing being around for the Australian Test match. What do we read into this? The Aussies are reading into it that they've been shown disrespect. Um, and 
I'd stay quiet about that until after the test, to be quite honest, because if you start accusing the Springboks of disrespecting them by putting out a, uh, you know, well, it's not a second string team, but it's a, a mixed bag of a team and they end up beating you, you're going to look a bit silly, aren't you? So I, I wouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt that they are targeting uh, the all-black test uh, because that's where they're keeping a lot of powder dry. And this is not unusual in a World Cup year. We've seen this plenty of times in the past. In South Africa, probably... Uh, more than anyone, although the All Blacks certainly did it in the lead-up to the 2011 World Cup. Um, but there's some big names missing. I, I think the greater concern South Africa, Sia Khaleesi, I understand he's going to come on the trip to New Zealand, um, but he's in major doubt for the World Cup. That would be a huge blow, and they're really worried about Andre Pollard, who's got this really troublesome calf injury. And the Springboks are not as good when those two aren't playing. They've also lost Oxen Cheer, um, their big prop, who's out for the whole uh, championship. But look, you, you look at the other guys who, who are on the plane to come to New Zealand early. Malcolm Marks, even Etzebeth, he's another one who's had a few injury issues, although. Uh, Lou Diaga, Damien Delendi, Faf de Klerk. Uh, it, it's pretty clear what, what they're going to try and pull, uh, pull off they hopefully will, will get a win against um, Australia and then get a real morale-boosting win against the All Blacks with something very much a lot closer to their strongest team. In World Cup year, uh, this truncated competition, uh, the, the, the compact nature of it definitely favours the teams playing at home first because, you know, it, it's easier to make these sorts of calls. So, um, you know, the, the Springboks here, I, I think they're just... You know, going to see if they can, can muddle out a win against uh, Australia first up and, and then throw everything at the All Blacks in, in the game at Mount Smart. Yeah, I'm just I'm wondering about the, the Springbok psyche, like they're obviously targeting the, the, the game at Go Media Stadium in Mount Smart, uh, knowing that they're going to be in Argentina, a six-day turnaround, plus they have them in a warm-up game at Twickenham before the World Cup, and maybe they're saying, if we can go bang-bang on the All Blacks and then we go to the World Cup, they're going to be looking at us. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. that you know, it, it, it's, there's a lot of manoeuvring, shadow boxing uh, that, that goes on in a, in a World Cup year. Uh, and it just depends what you know the coaches see as, as the priority. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how the All Blacks uh, approach this whole thing. You know, they could easily have left players back in New Zealand to do the same thing, to be here uh, sleeping, or not, if, if not in their own beds, at least sleeping in their own country and, and getting set. But, you know, the call has been made. No, we're, we're, we're taking well, most everyone to Argentina. We want the whole squad together and... Uh, you know, you can see why they might do that. It's just about building towards the, the, the big prize at the end of the year. Look, in, in World Cup year, um, the rugby championship, as I was, I was on um, Rugby Nation the other night, with, um, and I said this to, to, to Taylor, I think whoever wins it in World Cup year should probably have an asterisk beside it because of the of this manoeuvring that goes on. I think for the All Blacks, to me, the Bledisloe Cup is probably the number one priority. You don't want to be losing that in a World Cup year because you know about how, how much of a boost that would be uh, for Australia and how deflating it might be for the All Blacks. So I wonder whether that's their major priority.
You've been with the All Blacks before to Argentina and you've witnessed the passion and the atmosphere. We had Frankie Davis on the show yesterday. I think he said the All Blacks have never played in Mendoza. He thinks that's an intentional thing. Um, they've been very quiet with the press. Michael Check has got them in. He said he's got completely every single ear um, of the Argentinian team. They absolutely love him. They absolutely are going to play for them. Can passion get them through this Sunday? Oh, for sure it can. Um, you know, that's the one thing they still have yet to do. Yes, they, they beat the All Blacks in Australia, then they beat them here. They haven't beaten them on, on home soil. If the All Blacks have played in Mendoza before, it would have had to have been on one of those tours, uh, maybe 1976, or I think they had another one about 1990 uh, to Argentina. But they've never played a test match up there. Staffing, if, if you were to fly to Buenos Aires, you'd, you'd be almost a quarter of the way home by the time you got to Mendoza. Because it's a... <laughs> It's it's a, a two-hour flight back west, uh, I, although I suspect they'll just fly to Santiago or the flight fly to Santiago and, and, and hopped over the, the Andes, um, which is always a nice one to get out of the way, flying over the Andes. Sports yes. teams have had trouble with that before. Yes, um, they have. Yeah, um, but, but you're, you're right up in the foothills of the Andes. Uh, it's great wine-growing country, but it's, you know, it's great big slabs of red meat country as well, and it's real hardcore rugby territory. The air is a bit rarefied. Um, you know, the uh, the crowd is, is very, very passionate. And I imagine it'll be a it'll be a great test for this all black team to play there. And I think it's just will be very much about keeping their composure. Uh, we know um, the Argentinians you can understand why they would have uh, a guy like Michael Chick would appeal to them because there's a lot of emotion through their blood as well. They get well fired up and he's just the man to do it. And he, he, I'm sure he would love uh, to, to get another one up over the All Blacks in this game. He just makes for a fascinating opening weekend, doesn't it? There's, as I say, a lot of ducks and drakes and bobbing and weaving going on, and that's, that's part and parcel of a World Cup year. And I guess until we see Ian Foster's team name, which I'm picking will be tomorrow morning, um, there's still so many questions unanswered, and I still think there'll be a heap of questions unanswered, even on that naming of about who is our 10, who is our 9, who is our midfield, what is our loose four trio. There's still going to be questions, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, they're not going to be answered by this selection uh, because obviously he's got to bear in mind that a number of his frontline players were involved in a real ding dong battle to uh, decide Super Rugby this year. So you, you would expect that. There wouldn't be a lot of players from that game. Some will have to, I'm sure. I think he's got to put like one of his frontline locks into this game. You'd have to think so. Uh, but, you know, do we expect to see Bowden Barrett playing at 10? And in which case, who's, who's his fullback? Does he start with Damien McKenzie? I really hope uh, to see Sean um, Stevenson get a run. And, and I guess the uh, decision to leave Will Jordan behind might make that a little bit of an easier decision to make. But, yeah, uh, they'll still, you know, having trained together as an entire squad, as an entire group, I think there'll be a sense, look, doesn't matter who puts on the field, we're all in this together, and that, that should help them as well. That, that's probably the upside of taking a, lot of, a whole lot of them over there. Mm. Malbec wines originate from Mendoza. There we go. They do. Yeah, they do, and, and they're pretty good. Staffy, um, I've, I've had the odd one. <laughs> cheeky good, cheeky good. Oh, TJ, I know yeah. you're calling the game for us here in New Zealand. Do enjoy it. We'll enjoy watching and listening to you, mate. It's going to kick off our international season. Can't wait. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Tony Johnson. He'll bring you the call.
All Blacks against Argentina. That is Sunday. What's next? What's next? Wimbledon, whimsical, wondrous words from Rubinio after this. Wimbledon. It's your Wimbledon whimsical Robinho's. update. Rubinio's Wimbledon rap. What do you got? What happened overnight? Well, you'll remember, Steph, um, I had a bit of a bet gun. Oh, you uh, did? Yes. Going last night, uh, the games that were happening. And um, I'll, I'll slowly reveal the results of that bet as we get through, um, starting with a game that uh, I don't think was actually in that bet. I'll, d- I'll double check. <laughs> I'll t- double you check. haven't prepared very well, no, Rubinho. not really. Um, now, the bet was... Um, let me just get it up. There we go. Okay, I am now ready. No. You've had a whole ad break to I prepare. have, I have. No, okay. We go now. Okay. Uh, Tsitsipas, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Tsitsipas. Uh, took on Dominic Team, and uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a big game. Uh, a long game as well. Five sets in the end. Uh, Tsitsipas came out on top, um, and this is what he had to say post-match. It was pretty stressful, I won't lie. Um, we were out there, I don't know how many hours. Nearly uh, four. How many? Nearly four. Nearly four. Uh, for a second, I thought we were doing the repeat of Isner Mahu. <laughs> Isner taking on Mahu in uh, 2010 at Wimbledon. You remember, uh, 6436677668. Yes, I remember that. Uh, 665 minutes, 11 hours, 5 minutes. <laughs> spread out over three days. So, um yeah, as as he said, look to be uh, repeating that uh, eventually. But yeah, he he got it done ten eight in the uh, fifth set tiebreak overall uh, uh, over Dominic Team, and so that was the first round matchup. Now I'm a bit confused because they're doing first round because they were suspended, and then the yes. second round games and some second so, round games are being played before first round. Yes, games now. yes. So that was a first round match. Uh, now in the second round, he's taking on someone who's uh, pretty popular with the local crowd and he was asked about that your second round you have a certain Andy Murray to play against (laughs) (laughs) you played some amazing matches against him the US Open being one of them what are your thoughts though about playing him here at Wimbledon I'm not expecting anyone to support me <laughs> You'd be right Fair about enough. that. Yeah, so that, that'll be that'll be a great game. Definitely one to watch. Uh, other notable games: Denis Shapovalov, uh, representing Canada, took down Albo of Moldova in four sets. Uh, Taylor Fritz was taking on Humphman of Germany, and that was a match that was going incredibly well. They were they both won. It was two sets each, and then I think Fritz was up like three to two in the fifth set. Then the rain came down, uh, so they've just you know redone that. Uh, that last set, um, I, I assume they they took it from where they were, yep. and uh, yeah, Fritz won the fifth set, six three. So he's he, a bit of a star of Breakpoint, the Netflix series. Taylor Fritz, yes, <clears throat> good guy. Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, great, great to watch as well. Uh, Gregor Dimitrov of Bulgaria took down uh, Japan's show, six one, six two, six one. Pretty easy result in the end there, which uh, which was one of my three that I needed to win in straight sets. Uh, the other one 
or one of the other two being Yannick Sinner of Italy, and he took down Schwartzman 7-5-6-1-6-2. Straight sets, also you're still straight alive. sets, I'm still alive. Then we go to Djokovic, who uh, was taking on an Australian man by the name of Thompson, and uh, 6-3... 7-4 tiebreak, but won it, 7-6, and then 7-5. Oh. So he got it done in straight sets as well. So oh. that is three from three in the first leg, and uh, this is Djokovic on his relationship with Centre Court after that match. Well, uh, Centre Court has, uh, of Wimbledon has been the most special court, without a doubt, for our tennis history. You know, we know the tradition, we know um, how long the Wimbledon dates back, and uh, Every, every time I know I said this uh, before, and it sounds like a cliche, but I, I, I truly you know, try to marvel every, every moment, enjoy every moment I spend on the court. It is a, is a huge privilege, especially you know, at this age, at this stage of my career, uh, where I'm still trying to, to push forward with the, with the young guns. I don't know how far, how far and how long that's going to take, but uh, so far so good, I must say. You know, we have a very romantic and special relationship, this court and I. <laughs> Indeed, he does, and uh, ridiculous tennis, Djokovic. Mm, he's so good. I don't know when he's going to stop. It's crazy. But, yeah, that. Um, so first leg, three for three in the men's. Um, we go over to the women's, and let's just cut to the chase. It uh, wasn't a good story. Oh, no. Uh, no You've so teased me. I have. Um, so, yeah, I had Sakari, Pliskova, and Azarenka all to win in straight sets as well. Uh, Sakari started off well. Six love, first set. Oh, you th- you're in. Excellent. Uh, lost the second set, 5-7. Oh, and then lost the third set, 6-2. <laughs> so she was upset, the eighth seed of the tournament, um, by Kostyuk of Ukraine. Um, so, yeah, no one really saw that coming. Tennis is incredibly hard to predict sometimes. Uh, and Kvitova, 6-4 in the first set, lost a tiebreak in the second set, oh. but then won the third set, 6-1. I'd Azarenka, rather miss two legs than one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Azarenka um, is actually playing tonight, So, but the bet no longer stands, unfortunately. Um, Igis Fiontek, uh, first seed. Again, absolutely breezed through her second round match. 6-2, 6 love. Um, Sloane Stevens got it done in straight sets. And two games to watch. As I said, Azarenka takes on Podgorowska of Argentina tonight. And also, I think it's tonight, but the time hasn't quite been confirmed. Leila Fernandez of Canada uh, takes on Caroline Garcia, the fifth seed in the second round. So uh, that'll be a really good match to watch. Of course, Leila Fernandez famous for the US Open final against Emma Raducanu, the two unseeded players. Yes. And uh, a very good friend of Paula's daughter, who's in oh, America wow. on a tennis scholarship. Wow. Okay. Paula, who's in our office here. Wonderful woman, Paula. Met Holly, um, and she's friends with Leila Fernandez. Wow. Small world. What's that? One, two, three degrees of separation. I almost know Leila Fernandez. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> should we have some news? Yeah, I think so. But should we get people to call? I think so too. Show me the money after the news. You want to be part of the four-leg multi. Me, Robbie, B-Man if he's here, and you can have a four-leg multi. 0800 811. We'll take your calls. We'll spin the wheel after the news. Show you the money. That's not so good. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Full border calls. All ten lines. Rubinho, did Sam show you the electronic spinning wheel that on some sort of website and it dials one to ten and you spin it? He did. He did. Right. I need you 
to spin it immediately. It's currently being spun. It's number nine, Steph. It's number nine, and I look at that, and nine is Brian from Nelson. G'day, Brian from Nelson. How you doing, Steffi? Oh, I'm good, buddy. How's Nelson, mate? Yeah, it's nice. Nice, nice sunny day. I think Nelson's, cool Nelson's my favourite little city in New Zealand. Awesome. Now, That's good. do you want to go first or last in your pick? Last time I went first and I completely balled it up when I got Will Jordan to be any time <laughs> try scorer instead of Fainuku. This time I'm going to be a gentleman and let you guys go first. Love it. Love it. Right, so we've got me, we've got Rubinho and we've got B-Man. Now B-Man's our broadcast operations guru and he has he stood in every now and then when we need a third leg and he's got his last three right. B-Man, That you? is correct, yeah. Thank that you. is correct. And thank you for saying that, Steph, because Sam never says that when he introduces me. He's yeah. always, I think he's a little bit jealous, to be honest, <laughs> just quietly between me, you and Rob, and Robina. That, and you might recognise that voice too, like, get your heart racing with harness racing. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, got nice. a great voiceover voice. So B-Man, let's, let's, let's let you go first. Well, we all know UFC um, coming up this weekend, as it always does, and what a card we're getting treated to. I know, Steph, you love UFC yourself. It's the whole card, the whole main card could be title fights themselves, but we're going to go um, the the chap from um, across the ditch, Alec Vinolsky. Everyone loves him. We're going to go him by uh, points. It's going to go five rounds, and he's going to win. It's going to be a tough fight. Alex Volkanovsky. Yes, correct. What's he paying? Uh, that's $2 by nice, points. Yeah. Nice. Show me the money. Ooh, show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Rubinho. How big we're going, Steph? Big as you like. Big as you like. They breed him tough and Nelson. Right. Well, <laughs> let's let's swing for the fences. Oh, here he comes. <sighs> I'm nervous. Uh, TAB's put a booster, boosted odds um, yep. as I scroll down to find it. Lydia Coe's playing the US Open. She is, Pebble Beach. Ooh. She's promised to return to form, I might say. Top 10 finish. Boosted. $6. Sure, That's a great bet. That's a good bet. I might jump yeah. on that. She's the world number three. Let's go, like Lids. Oh, well, yours is $6. Get ready for this. This is going to be a multiplier and a half, Brian, from Nelson. I am going into the Ashes, and I am saying in Australia's first innings, both Steve Smith and Usman Khawaja will get half centuries at least at $5.50. Show me the money. Let's go. Awesome. Let's go. Okay, Brian. Evan. Well, mine's pretty light compared to you guys. What? I've gone South Sydney Rabbitohs to start four and a half points behind the dogs at a dollar ninety. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's a great bet. In the rugby league. Rugby league. Yeah. Have you found that one, Robbie? I know South Sydney. I'm getting there, yeah. South, South Sydney Rabbitohs minus four and a half. Dollar ninety. That's great. Right, Canterbury so are dreadful. We put the bonus bet on to that bet. 125.40 odds for a potential return <laughs> of $6,220. Yes, Nelson! Stop it. Let's yeah. go, mate. Oh, that's a whole year's this worth of spending fantastic. money at the Nelson Markets. Oh, man. <laughs> I might be able to shout morning tea on that one. Oh, man, I expect a box of picks peanut butter winging its way to us here. <laughs> 
Don't you worry about that. I can sort that out pretty easily. Absolutely, Magnum. Brian, this is potentially our biggest one ever, and if we get it, I'll be so stoked for you, champion. Oh, awesome. Awesome, yep. Good luck, Brian. Good to have you as a listener and a contestant and hopefully a wealthy one come Monday. Thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Brian from Nelson. Go through that again quickly, Ravinia. I'm going to follow that in. I'm going to follow that in. It's Volkanovski by points. Please do. Volkanovski by points. We've got uh, Lydia Ko, top 10 finish in the US Open. Uh, Smith and Kawaja, both to score 50 or more runs in Australia's first innings. I bet and one of them do. South Sydney, minus four and a half against the Bulldogs. I mean, Show I, us the I, think, I think that's... That's a great beer. I reckon that's a lock, in my personal opinion. The I think South Sydney that, one yeah, is. Yeah. I think that's a lock. Um, I like B-Man's one as well. Yeah, yeah Volk's got to get up. It's going to be a tough fight, and I, if he does, yeah, I reckon it will go to points. Is just that the favoured decision price? Is yes. that the yeah, 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 yeah. That is, yeah. yeah. Because they've both got big motors, both oh, got good yeah. defence. Yeah, big Surprisingly time. enough, Steph, our two bets that are paying the most are the ones that are shaky. But we'll see how it goes. Rightly so. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Higher risk, higher return. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. Thank you, Beanie. No worries. Thanks for having me, Steph. And what's the other big fighter on the card for you? Oh, for me, it'd be Robert Whitaker. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. Haven't seen him fight in a long time. Brandon Moreno also on the card. Um, and then you've got the hooker, the Dan hooker. <laughs> Stop it. It's going to be amazing. You've got to get behind it. You'll have to watch. Um, do you know what's coming up now? We're going to take an ad break, and we've got to get people to call... 0800 150 to play The Chase. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. Yes. Uh, is it, how much is it? 100,000 cash. He cash. 100,000 cash. 100,000 cash. If you want to play cash. The Chase against the Staffinator. 0800 150 Take me down and win the 100,000 e cash. Oh, we got to spin the wheel again. Have you still got the wheel up, Robbie? I've got the wheel back up. Spin it. Well, it was nine last time. Was. Uh, we've only got six callers this time. Yeah. So you have to recalibrate it from ten to six. I have. You've, oh, gosh. Oh, I know. Okay. One step ahead. Not telling you how to suck eggs. Right, no, no, spin no. it. I have spun it. Well, it is spinning. Thank Number you. four. Number four? Number four, which is uh, Brad from Dunedin. Brad from the beautiful city of Dunedin are compiling a reasonable looking Highlander squad, I might say. G'day to you, Brad. Steffi, how are we? I'm brilliant. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Sun's out. Sun. Um, shit of a week, but oh well. Well, you get that. Yeah, well, you're up for 100000 in cash. Now, what's the exchange rate on that these days? It's worth about $4.15. I'll take that. Half a beer. Stop it. Righto, Robbie. I hand it over to you. Oh, here we go. Right. Nerve-wracking times. You've been just pooing yourself oh, about this. I really week. have. Oh, Sam makes it look so easy. All right. Okay. Are you ready to go, Brad? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. Brad, your oh, time. I'll go to be there. Oh, true. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I've got my other set of paper. I've just got set A sitting on top. Yes, yeah, set, set B. All right, I'll change my paper around. Oh, could that be a cunning move? It could be. I was ready to just ask, ask you set A, but no. Uh, yeah, I've forgotten about uh, I flipped it over. Set B it is, Brad. Here we go. clock going. Right, your time starts in three, two, one. Who's currently at the top of the sales NBL ladder? 
Tuatara. Correct. Who is the top run scorer for the White Ferns in their recent ODI series against Sri Lanka? Uh, Devine. Correct. Who will NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers play for this season? Uh, the Jets. Correct. And what nation does world number one Igus Fiontek represent? In what city are the All Blacks playing Argentina this weekend? Mendoza. Correct. Who has been named as Blues coach on a two-year deal? Brent Potter. Correct. Mookie Betts, Max Muncy and Will Smith play for which MLB franchise? Uh, the Mets. Uh, Dodgers. Uh, name the 18-year-old league spinner called up to England's Ashes squad. Uh, Rehan Army. Correct. What American city is hosting UFC 290 this weekend? Uh, Who's won the most career Wimbledon titles? Correct, and that is time. Wow, passed on only two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven for Brad. Seven, that's the squeaky bum time for me, Brad. Anything six, seven. Thing is, I don't get the 100,000 e-cash. I just get a backhand slap from Sam because he has to do a uh, crypto transfer. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay. Right. So the two he passed on were what? The two he passed on were what nation does world number one Igus Fiontech represent? Poland, yes. Uh, and the American city hosting UFC 290. Vegas? Yep. Right. Right. Pity those aren't your questions. I know. Uh, okay. Liz, <laughs> we're ready to go. Um, Steffi, mm. your time starts in three, two, one. The Athletics are a baseball team from what city? Oakland. Correct. What team has scored the most tries in the NRL this season? Brisbane. Stop, got. <laughs> Brad. Um, oh, South he- Sydney. Oh, wrong as well. It's the Eels. Oh, I was going to say Cowboys, but... Yeah, yeah. The so- Eels. The Eels have scored the most tries. Middle of the table. They're taking on the Warriors this weekend. All right. Steph, your time starts again in three, two, one. What current All Black has played the most career test? Samuel Whitelock. Uh, Correct. Who's currently the top wicket taker in the Ashes heading into the third test tonight? Broad. Correct. Who did Novak Djokovic beat in the final to win Wimbledon last year? Nick Kyrgios. Correct. Which NBA franchise has hired Adrian Griffin as their new head coach? Celtics. Top got <laughs> no idea. Brad. Uh, no idea. The Magic. No, it's the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Ah. actually, yeah, replacing Mike Budenholzer. All right. How many have I got? Uh, you are four. on four. Three to get. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Time starts again. Three, two, one. What number Super Bowl will be played in February next year? Oh, 56. Or oh, stop the clock. Brad. Uh, 52? No, 58. Oh, gosh, I was quite close to just chucking a number. (laughs) Not too bad. All right. Still need three. Once again, three, two, one. What country won the first Football World Cup in 1930? Correct. Name any of the sides promoted to the Premier League for the upcoming season. Burnley? Correct. What team will the Black Caps take on in September? England! Got there. I only got Burnley because it was on a quiz night thing I was at a Tuesday. Oh, my goodness. Oh. 
Oh, Brad, you ran me damn close. Oh, well, he's happy. That's good from you. Yeah. Not bad. And the ones I got wrong, you got wrong as well. <laughs> oh, they're actually stabbed. I had no clue. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't either. Always good to have you on, the, though, buddy. Thank you. Hey, cheers, Jack. Cheers, mate. Well. There's Brad out of Dunedin. Super Bowl, the NBA coach. I had no idea. I wasn't even close. And there was another one I got wrong. Um, Eels. Oh, the Eels, yeah. Oh, because they... Did they get a million points last weekend? There were two absolute blowouts last weekend, weren't there? I don't think it was the Eels. Someone flogged West and someone flogged Cowboy, uh, flogged uh, the Bulldogs. Short memory span. Gee, Steph. Terrible. Must be getting tired. Uh, must be getting towards the end of the show. Beef and Kirst are going to bring you the run home from 3 o'clock. But before we go after this short break, we have got a look back in that day. Here's what happened back in the day. July 6, 1933, New York Yankees slugger Babe Ruth was the star attraction at the very first All-Star game in Chicago. It was labelled the Game of the Century. And he didn't disappoint, did the babe. Uh, Two-run homer in the third innings. They won 4-2. 1997, Steve Waugh became the first batsman in 50 years to score twin centuries in an Ashes test against England at Old Trafford. 2005, 6th of July. London beat Paris 54 votes to 50 for the right to host the 2012 Summer Olympic Games. Paris were furious. It was their third failed bid in 20 years. 2008, Rafa Nadal ended Roger Federer's five-year reign, beating him in Wimbledon, 6-4-6-4-6-7-6-7-9-7. Holy hecka, four hours, 48 minutes. Birthdays today, Willie Randolph, uh, Major League Baseball second baseman, uh, turned 69 today. Uh, born in 1960, Valerie Briscoe Hawks, American athlete. Uh, I think 200 and 400-metre runner she was. Uh, birthday today. Makai Antini, South African fast bowler. He turns 46 today. And Pau Gasol, Spanish NBA centre. Wonderful player. Turns 43 today. The number one movie in 1988. Coming to America by Eddie Murphy. He had a string of movies about that time. Um, Beverly Hills Cop, one of the greats. And the number one song was by Jacko. Thank you all for your company today. Uh, really enjoyed today catching up with Mike Rogers out of Manawatu, the new head coach, our BMX champ, and Tony Johnson, as he does, very kindly gives us time on a Thursday. Big thank you to Robinho. Kirsten Beef coming up after the news.